Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Doug Lusk, the founder of the National Society for Legal Technology, a training and certifying organization focused on empowering students and professionals with advanced technical skills. Hi, Doug. How are you? Good. Thanks, Ari. How are you? I'm well, and it's a privilege to speak with you. So tell us about your background and the genesis of the National Society for Legal Technology. I was a paint salesman and then the housing market crashed. So I found myself needing to reinvent who I was and what I did for a living because not a lot of people were hiring paint salesmen. So I had always had an interest in law, but grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Utah, didn't have lots of possibilities, never saw myself as having the opportunity to go into law. So now I was needing to reinvent myself, was living in Los Angeles lot more possibilities, decided to go get a paralegal certificate because that would get me back into the job force faster. So went, got my paralegal, started working in a law firm, loved it, loved the work, loved the environment. Like most paralegals, quickly realized I was doing all the attorney's work just without the pay. So decided to go to law school and started in an evening program at University of Laverne studying law and working in the law firm during the day. At the end of my first semester, was talking with my torts professor and went, hey, when do we get to study legal technology? He's like, yeah, we don't do that. We just leave it up to whatever firm you go work for first. They will teach you everything you need to know about legal technology. I went, yeah, that doesn't sound like a great plan because I've worked in a firm and they don't teach us anything. I mean, I spent a lot of my lunch breaks on YouTube teaching myself how to run the software in the firm because no one in the firm knew how to do it. They just kind of fumbled their way through. So I got this idea going, well, I'll start a student club and we'll just study a different software every month. And by the time we graduate law school, we'll know all these great legal software programs and we'll be so much better when we get into a firm. So it took off. We called ourselves the National Society for Legal Technology and our club launched. And the next semester, some of the students transferred to other schools and started a club there. Then about a year into it, got a call from a school who said, hey, we saw this material that the school club was using and loved it. In fact, it's better than the curriculum we were using for our law office technology class. We're just going to take your club material that you put together and we're gonna roll it into the class and we'll just make every student who takes the class join the club. We can use your material. And by the end of the class, they'll have your law office technology certificate. That just started things going. And the next semester was more schools and more schools and more schools. And now we are five years down the road. And last semester, we were used in 201 universities as the classroom curriculum. It was an idea that sounded great and worked at the time and was meant to be one thing and it just has kept going and going and going and word of mouth just spread more because everybody needed that type of a service. It just was such a hole in the market. Now we're in hundreds of schools and we have individual students in 11 countries around the world. 
What skills do those students and legal professionals need to thrive in today's economy? So we find that the need, it really runs the gambit across the different categories. We see them coming in going, well, I need to learn the new version of Word. Oh, I didn't learn Excel well enough. I need that. We find them needing to go to trial. We're getting new trial software. So they're doing trial presentation software. We're seeing basic office, Word, Excel, Outlook, PowerPoint, time and billing softwares or switching programs. Now that we're into coronavirus and everybody's working from home, we're seeing data collaboration needs and software, people needing to learn how Microsoft Teams work and how Zoom functions. So it just really runs the gambit of what the skill set is. And that really was the idea behind creating the National Society for Legal Technology was that legal competency is far more than just one category. It isn't just learning how word works. It isn't just being able to draft a document. It is really about handling any type of software that you're going to encounter in a legal environment. PDF skills, time and billing skills, document management skills, e-discovery skills, trial presentation, data storage, it just really covers all over. And the NSLT is a big umbrella that all legal technology software can find a home underneath. And our legal tech certificate requires students and legal professionals to learn about 12 different software programs to qualify for the certificate. That way we ensure that they're stepping outside of one category and learning about software programs in multiple categories, making them very broad in their education. How does the duty of technological competence for lawyers relate to the professionals with whom those lawyers work? When a lawyer has the duty, usually anybody working underneath them has that same duty as well. The lawyer, as we know, has duties of confidentiality. So that doesn't mean their paralegal can go and spread the secrets. That paralegal is bound to those same duties of confidentiality. When it comes to these new laws that are going out about technology competence in Model Rule 1.1, specifically Comment 8, that has been adopted and the majority of the states now have adopted that rule of technology competence. So that means everybody in the office, all your support staff, all your paralegals, all your secretaries, any outsource, they all have that same duty to be technologically competent and fulfill those needs of understanding the relevant technology that comes into play in their office. What value do certifications provide? It's a great way to show and express what it is that you know. Now, we use our legal tech certificate as a way to encourage people to learn about different categories of software programs. That's why we require 12. That's why our mix is so spread across different categories to ensure it touches things. There's certain types of software that just is a lot more fun to learn about. E-discovery education has been a topic for a long time. I always kind of joke that it's a sexy topic that people love to talk about and love to learn about. But when it comes to time and billing software, just doesn't get the same kind of glitz and glamour and isn't viewed in the same eyes as 
this is something cool to learn about. It's boring. It isn't as fun. It's a little mundane to do, but just as essential in understanding how it functions. So we kind of work to bring these other categories in. And now when you have that certificate, you have it on your resume, it's a way to talk about what skill set you're coming to the firm with. Especially when it comes to litigation support professionals, we see it even more. They're not being hired because of their in-depth knowledge on contracts. They're being hired because of what they know about technology. They tend to be the button pushers more than anything. When we have questions about technology, we turn to our support staff. That's who we go out and go, hey, how do we do this? Because in law school, they didn't teach us software. We didn't get that type of education. Now, we learned contracts inside and out and forward and backwards. But no one explained to us how to use time billing software. So we have to go and rely to our support staff. But at the same time, I need to know when my support staff is right and when they're wrong. Because my bar card is depending upon them being able to give me the right technology advice. So I need to understand when that's good advice and when it's bad advice. So having those certifications behind me is a great way to ensure that I'm learning what I need to do to keep myself marketable and to keep my firm in a position that's sound. You addressed a variety of different topic areas. How does the National Society for Legal Technology curriculum help participants draw connections between e-discovery, cybersecurity, and related fields to gain a competitive advantage? It's important to understand different categories. And once you start diving into how software works in those different categories, you quickly realize there's a lot of connections between you get into Word and in your head, you're going, well, this is just word processing. All I'm doing is drafting documents. You don't realize, well, there is a whole cybersecurity side to it. There is password protecting and encrypting and those kind of things that you should be doing to protect your documents. So when you get into different categories and learn about them, you're seeing all of the connections and how so many of these software programs really need to go hand in hand because they're intertwined and aren't as separate as we've always kept them in our brains, just because we categorize things in our head. That's what we do by nature. And we've always gone, oh, this is just an e-discovery software. Oh, this is just cybersecurity. Oh, this is just word processing. And we aren't realizing all of the intertwining areas and that all of these need to work together to do their functions. What are some of the unanticipated benefits of formalized training programs? One of the biggest surprises that we saw come along is firms that used us for onboarding new employees. It wasn't really something we had set out going, hey, this is how you should use our material. This is what it's for. We never anticipated it that way. And we realized there's a lot of firms that have onboarding problems with new employees. Let's take, for example, the firm adopts a new software. So they do a whole rollout, they do training meetings, they pull the whole office staff together, they teach everybody all together how the software works. That's great. And then two months later, they hire a new person. 
who didn't get all the training lessons, wasn't there for all of it, and now they're stuck in this dilemma, going, well, do I do new training meetings all again? But it's just one person. So it's not cost effective to bring the training team back in to do how this rollout works. And now we've got that new person being a little clueless, having to stumble their way through. They're surviving on what they can pick up from coworkers. So with our program, it's very individual. It's self-paced. They can go through, find any problem they want to at any time. So they purchase that program just for the employee that they're needing to onboard. Great way to bring them back up to pace, up to the same skill set the rest of the office is in. And that just wasn't something we saw as a problem out there. You recently announced an alliance with the Association of Certified eDiscovery Specialists. How will your respective members benefit from that partnership? Very exciting stuff. I had a hard time keeping it all secret because while we were working on this, I was chatting at ILTA one day with the people over at ASEDS and said, you know, if we could take your skill in teaching theory and we could pair it with our skill in teaching practical software skills, we would really have a phenomenal, phenomenal course. Yeah, that's a great idea. So we started working on what that looked like. How do we put it together? How do we work both of our expertise and pull it all together into this one product? And it just turned out more beneficial than I had ever envisioned it being. Being able to understand the deep concepts of e-discovery, as well as picking up the hands-on practical side of e-discovery. When you talked about e-discovery education in the past, it was always, well, do we do hands-on stuff with our employees? Do we do practical, you know, theory lessons with our employees? And so many people who understood how the software worked didn't understand the law behind it. And all the people who understood the law didn't understand how the buttons functioned. We really had two different subsets of people inside e-discovery. It's two sides of the same coin, and you can't really understand the coin that's in your hand until you look at both sides. So that's what this new EdTech program really helps them understand and help them do is they get the theory, they also get the hands-on practical. And it's a great way to pull them together and view both sides of what's going on. We had a phenomenal outreach to schools about this. When we announced this was coming and we did a meeting for schools so that they could start the curriculum approval process and see overwhelming response to that. And schools just jumped on it and ran with it right away. And it is revolutionizing the way that we teach e-discovery in the schools. Schools have had a problem where they had somebody who understood the theory, but didn't understand the practical, or they understood the practical, didn't understand the theory. They shied away from teaching e-discovery. So many of their instructors were so far behind on keeping up with e-discovery. As you know, it changes so fast and it's always evolving. There's always new things coming out in e-discovery and schools just couldn't get their instructors to keep up with the changes enough to be able to teach it. So with our partnership with ASEDS, we were able to hand them the curriculum they needed to keep up to pace, to make things current, even if they had an instructor that wasn't fully as far along as the material was. 
the material we put together compensates for any lacks or shortcomings that the instructors would have. How do you see training evolving? We're seeing it become something where it isn't group projects anymore. Teaching software as a group of people together is something that never works out. As a trainer, you're telling people, okay, let's do this task, press enter. And nine of them will press enter and one will hit escape. And now they're going, wait, my screen doesn't look like that. And now you have one frustrated person because they pushed the wrong button and they're lost. And you have nine frustrated people because they did it right. And now everything's moving slow and they're frustrated. And when you're frustrated, you're not learning. So training is going to develop into more one-on-one type of a mentality where things are done using software simulations. Last employee I trained when I was in the law firm, we were teaching how to do time billing software. And hey, it was great. When we sent out that month's bills, we found errors all over the place. And that employee had gone into the system thinking that they were deleting things behind them and was practicing how the software worked. Just created such a mess that it took us months to find all of the errors that the employee created. So with the NSLT system, everything is in simulations. You're not playing in live software. You're not doing any damage to your law firm documents. It's excellent tool that you can do on any computer that you're on. So you're able to train from home on your home computer on software that is deployed usually over a server. And that normally you would only have to be doing it in the office where the software is installed. Now you can do it from anywhere. You can do it on any type of a machine. That flexibility is going to continue as we move into this new world of training where we're allowing employees to do a lot more from home. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Doug Lusk, the founder of the National Society for Legal Technology, a training and certifying organization focused on empowering students and professionals with advanced technical skills. Doug, thanks so much. Thanks, Ari. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.